0: Enough, podcast.
1: Over the last month of the World Cup, we've seen 62 matches with a lot of close and sometimes even unexpected outcomes.
0: Saudi Arabia beat Argentina 2-1 in their opening game, a game that will go down as one of the biggest upsets in World Cup history.
1: We've even watched history be made.
2: Never before has an African nation made it into the World Cup semi-finals, but now Morocco is the pride of the continent.
1: Now there's just two matches left until the tournament ends and a world champion is crowned. But before that happens, we're hearing from some of the fans who've been watching it play out on the pitch from Doha and around the world.
3: Here in Education City, it will be a full house. I'm so Excited to be here to support
4: the USA in a historic moment. Eight years without being a f-ing World Cup. Let's freaking go, USA! It seems like it's the
2: beginning of the party that anything is possible.
1: Today we're looking back at the best moments of this World Cup. I'm Hala deen and this is the take. We've been hearing from Tony Caron, AJ Plus editorial leads and major football fan, since before the tournament even began. And one of his main takeaways from this World Cup is how unpredictable it's been.
5: I've been quite surprised by many things at this World Cup. And that's brilliant. That's exactly what you want from the World Cup. You want things to be unpredictable. You want things to not go as expected, according to the form book. You live for... The, the great democracy that the sport represents where anything is possible in that ninety minutes. And everything was possible. Seeing Japan beat two of the great powers of recent decades on Germany and Spain just tells you that the game has been globalized, the global playing field has been equalized to an unprecedented degree.
1: Al Jazeera's Sandra Gatman got the chance to see one of those Japan
6: upsets in person. The match I most enjoyed was Germany versus Japan, and that was the first match I actually attended. And Japan beat Germany against all the odds.
2: Just when we thought we were getting over the Saudi Arabia win over Argentina on Tuesday, well, Japan went on to stun Germany
0: 2-1 themselves.
6: Now, part of my family is German, but I was really rooting for Japan because I was born and raised there, lived there for 15 years, so to see them Win that game was absolutely mind-blowing, and the stadium went wild. That match wasn't the first time World Cup viewers
1: heard from Japan fans.
6: It was very early on in the tournament when, after the opening match between Qatar and Ecuador, we saw some Japan fans cleaning up the stands, and pictures of them doing this went viral. What's the saying, leave a place better than you found it? They do it, those Japanese fans do it. Myself and my producer Adele, who's half Japanese, we both share this cultural affinity and understanding of Japan. And we thought, why don't we go and talk to Japanese fans about why they do this, knowing that there was something deeper there.
0: It started from the, the Japanese legendary player Hidetoshi Nakata.
4: Whenever, like, even if it's a bad foul, he lends a hand to, to you know, pull the player up. He said when you play abroad, like, you represent the entire Japan. You know, we show respect to the you know, like to, to the opponent.
1: Japan's wins on the pitch kept them in the headlines. In addition to beating Germany, they also won against Spain. And their performance in the group stage saw them advance ahead of Germany to get to the round of 16.
6: It was so great to see Japan go as far as they did. I think conventionally, Japan is seen as one of the underdogs, but they've really proven themselves as a worthy adversary. And even though they lost to Croatia, who are arguably the stronger team, I think people are really going to look forward to seeing how they do at the next World Cup, because they surprised a lot of people.
1: Japan was far from the only surprise in the group stages. Freelance reporter Hema Soler who's been covering the World Cup for Al Jazeera, sent us this dispatch before Tunisia played reigning champions France.
3: It's the third round of the group stages. It's defending champions France versus Tunisia. I can see a lot of red and white flags of the Carthage Eagles, and I have with me one of the supporters. Do you think you can beat France today? Uh,
0: it's not easy, it's hard a little bit, but uh, it's not uh, impossible, you know uh, we have uh, a chance, it's football Uh, we wish we we will win uh, this game
3: One hour to go before the kickoff, there are so many much more uh, supporters from the African side they are cheering, they are showing their flags there is certainly a great atmosphere with a bit of a French accent here in Education City in Doha
1: and the fan Hemma talked to was correct. A Tunisia win was not impossible.
0: Now, another shock result from this World Cup as Tunisia was able to clinch a 1-0 win over defending champions France.
1: One part of this World Cup experience that's gotten a lot of mention is the almost home game atmosphere Arab and African teams have enjoyed. Perhaps no team more than Morocco. They had the energy of Doha on their side as they beat one European powerhouse after another to make it to the semi-finals.
4: What an exploit for the Moroccans against the 2018 World Cup semi-finalists of Belgium with two...
2: Morocco celebrating after beating Spain on penalties. Big headline from the Qatar World Cup is that Morocco have beaten Portugal. we
1: have been tracking their success from the group stages. Washington Post foreign affairs columnist Ishan Tahroor was in Doha for their win against Canada, which qualified them for the knockout stages. Here's what he told us. So I'm exiting
4: the stadium right now. Morocco secured a 2-1 win over Canada and clinched a place at the top of its group in the next round. It's a terrific result for a team that has long been quite talented but never really delivered on the World Cup stage. In recent memory, I talked to various Moroccan
1: fans who really felt like they were now the standard bearers of the Arab World Cup, and we'll
5: see how far they go.
1: As Morocco's run continued, Al Jazeera's Abu Bakr al-Shamahi was in the stands when Morocco advanced over
2: Spain in the round of 16. Morocco have just beaten Spain on penalties. The match was so tense, 0-0, 0, zero nil, nil until the end of the game and then 3-0 on penalties. You can hear the drums, you can hear the Moroccan fans chanting. It's absolutely unreal. Abs, what, like the best experience I've had in the stadium. Just, the Moroccan fans are going crazy. And it's, what, what time is it? It's 9 p.m. The, like, the party's just started. The party has just started in the Dach-
1: And Moroccans kept that party going for quite some time More on that after the break. On this week's
6: episode, we look at what Tunisia's general elections mean for the nation.
1: When Morocco beat Spain on December 6th to get into the quarter-finals, a new set of expectations was on their shoulders. Could they make history and beat Portugal a few days later to become the first African country to make the World Cup semi-finals? Abu Bakr was watching from Doha as they did just that.
2: Absolutely unbelievable. Just absolutely unbelievable. The first Arab team in the World Cup semi-final, the first African team in the World Cup semi-final. Imagine how excited the Moroccans are considering how excited I am and just how astounded I am by that result. Doha is full of Moroccans right now and I can only imagine what it's going to be like for the semi-finals. People are desperate to find tickets. The other day I saw a queue going off hundreds of metres because they'd had a rumour that there were tickets going to be available at a certain point or a certain place. It's just going to go wild.
1: Meanwhile, in Morocco... The party was on a whole other level. Al Jazeera's Nicholas Huck sent us these voice notes from the middle of the night in Casablanca, where he watched the game.
2: Football can bring magic. I mean, this country was going through protests over the rising cost of living. It's as if if all of that has been forgotten. The magic of football is that it can unite people. and You feel here... This is a united country. I see also people waving not just Moroccan flags, but the flags of Palestine, the flags of other Arab or African countries. What an incredible moment. Listen, this is a people in celebration.
1: So while Morocco was celebrating, Abu Bakr was heading to the second quarterfinal match of the day this time he had tickets so he messaged us on the way to the stadium.
2: Okay so England versus France England we the team I'm going to be supporting I think we're quite good but England inevitably lose whenever they come against any good team as I've discovered throughout my years watching them lose the penalty shootouts like all the time and then I've also just realized that if they win they're going to be playing Morocco and yeah I don't know how I'm going to feel about that one I've Really taking to Morocco in this tournament. I'm Arab myself, so I've really been supporting them. But I've always been an England fan too. So, yeah, going to be a difficult choice.
1: A choice he didn't end up having to make.
2: England have been knocked out of the World Cup. They have lost at the quarterfinal stage to France. Olivier Giroud
1: Abu Bakr messaged us about
2: the loss after the match. England won... France to no idea how we lost that game. Absolutely no idea how we lost that game. It would make more sense when we play badly and then lose to the big teams or lose to a good team. But to play so well and for them to play so poorly, for us to lose, ah, typical England. Typical England.
1: He's not the only one who left the quarterfinals disappointed. Brazil saw their hopes dashed after they lost their quarterfinal in penalty kicks to Croatia. Vinicius Valente, who goes by Vinny, is a Brazilian fan who hoped that his country could reclaim some of its past glory this time around.
0: So I grew up with the impression that winning the World Cup is something easy to do, you know?
1: You probably don't know. But for someone in Vinny's generation, from Brazil, you could see how being champions could feel like a birthright. The first World Cup he ever watched was in 1994. We won that one. Then came 1998. Brazil was in the finals with France.
0: And then the one right after that, uh, 2002 in Korea and Japan, we won again. Brazil are delighted. Their supporters are delirious. To me, it became something normal. And then from that moment on, we just stopped winning.
1: <laughs> and then famously, in 2014, they imploded.
5: Not just a defeat for the uh, host nation, but a humiliation for the host nation as Germany beat Brazil by seven goals uh,
6: to one. That is going to go down as a famous day for Germany, but a day maybe of uh, infamy for Brazilian football. uh...
1: But for Brazil fans, this was supposed to be their year. They came with a talented team. Some say their bench was as strong as some of the other teams starting 11 players. But in the quarterfinals, their run came to an end.
3: Oh, my goodness, the favorites Brazil are out of the World Cup. Croatia knocking them out on penalties.
0: These years' defeat, there was a big surprise for everybody. Brazilians, typically, they don't take reality very much into consideration when it comes to football. For us, the team is always the best one and has the highest chances of winning. And the best you can do is, yeah, take your moment to be sad and trying to understand what you did wrong and make sure that next time you come again and you do it better.
1: For football fans in Qatar, who've seen their team suffer a loss, there's still some joy to be found in the atmosphere. For the last several weeks, Doha has been a full-blown party. and One of the people adding sound to that party is Adam Abugad. If you're a regular Take listener, you've probably heard me say his name in our credits. He's one of our
0: engagement producers. And on the side, I am a solo musician. My... Compositions are mainly instrumental, and they range from electronic music to progressive metal music.
1: A friend of Adam's, who worked for the Qatar Foundation, tapped him ahead of the tournament to see if he might want to provide some entertainment. And he did.
0: So I got to play six gigs, and these were during matches such as Brazil versus Croatia and Morocco versus Spain. The atmosphere was really surreal. You would see thousands of people going to the stadium, leaving the stadium. It really was a fascinating experience to have as a performer. What I wanted to get out of the experience of performing during the World Cup was the opportunity to play in front of thousands of people and to enjoy the experience. And thankfully, both of those things happened.
1: So now the party is entering into its last days as Doha gears up for the finals, Argentina versus France. Now France, the reigning champions, will try to be the first country in 60 years to win the World Cup back-to-back. But for many, the more compelling story would be to see Lionel Messi, known as the GOAT or greatest of all time, win the World Cup in his last time playing in the tournament.
2: Argentina qualified for a sixth World Cup final, uh, led once again by their starman Lionel Messi. The man who's now played a record equalising 25 World Cup games now has another chance at lifting the trophy of his dreams.
1: Argentine-American journalist Jasmine Garst has been covering Messi's story as the host of the NPR and Futura Media podcast The Last Cup. She told us why she thinks his journey resonates so widely.
4: When I started doing this podcast, I picked up my auntie's old copy of Laodicea, The Odyssey, which is, you know, the story of a young man who leaves home and achieves great feats abroad, but the whole time he's dreaming of going back home. And then, of course, when he finally makes it back home, he finds out that it's not the place he left. In many ways, Messi, Leo Messi, reminded me a lot of Odysseus, you know? Um, He's this young kid who had to leave for economic reasons, to be able to become who he is. But this whole time, he was yearning to return home a hero. For a very, very long time, he didn't achieve it. People in Argentina were disappointed in him, and he didn't have the level of, of appreciation and love that he had in the rest of the world. And so, you know, I think Leo Messi's story is also this universal story. And I think that's also something that just makes people fall in love with him.
1: But whether Argentina goes on to win or lose on Sunday against France, Messi's just one part of the story. Here's Tony again.
5: I don't believe in goats. I don't believe that a single player can can change destinies. Of course, they remind me that the exception that maybe... Proves the rule there is Argentina, that Maradona wins the World Cup with a mediocre team around him. And they're asking, you know, well, maybe Messi could do the same. Personally, I really don't care because that's not what this game is about. It's like if the team as a unit is not competent and can't actually
1: deliver, then none of it matters. And really, football is a collective sport whether you're a player or a fan, sitting at a stadium or at a sports bar, or even alone at home.
5: Some of us sit on our couches and are texting in multiple WhatsApp groups and are basically sharing the experience with people who might be simply up the road in their own living room, or might be in another city on the other side of the world. Like, there is no other experience that the human community shares at anything like the scale of the World Cup in real time. Football collectivises our disappointments, shall we say. It's collective suffering. There's a solidarity in the suffering of the football fan. And there's also a solidarity in the ecstasy of the football fan in those rare moments where their team actually wins.
1: And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Nagin Oliay, Ashish Malhotra, and Chloe K. Lee, with Ruby Zaman, Amy Walters, Alexandra Locke, and me, Hala Mahiyadin. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya El Malik and Adam Abugad are the TAKE's engagement producers, and Nay Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.